Remember, God is still in control. And we are back at Psalm 23. And this, this week, we'll, we'll be looking at verse 4. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'm going to ask you to find Psalm 23. I know you know it, but it is important that you find it because we have been highlighting stuff and marking stuff that are important that we may have ignored in the past. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we normally do for the reading of God's word, and we're going to pray, and we're going to get into this in Jesus' name. Psalm 23, verse 4. Come on, just lift your Bibles up with me and declare with me that this is God's word, not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, my ears are opened, and I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Psalm 23, verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Come on, just lift your hands with me and just declare this over your life. Say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for God is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Come on, one more time. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For God is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Lord, we thank you that you are the Lord with us. Emmanuel, God with us. You promise you would never leave us nor forsake us. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil. We fear no evil, Lord God. In whatever form or shape it may come, we declare that we fear no evil, for God is with us. Spirit of the living God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will manifest yourself in our midst. Do miracles signs and wonders in our hearts and in our lives and in this place in the name of Jesus. So open every eye this morning to see your truth, every ear to hear your voice, and every mind to understand your word, and every heart to receive all that you have in store for us. We are ready, Lord God. Do what you want to do. We surrender everything. Our minds are made up. Our lives are laid down. Let your will be done. And let your kingdom come. In Jesus name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus name. In adversity, remember God is still in control. Amen? And there's an old Arab parable that says, All sunshine and no rain makes a desert. And that simply means you need some rain. Come on, just, just, just look at the person beside you. They won't be able to hear you clearly because we all have our mouth. But say to them, you need some rain in your life. In, in Jamaica, we have it this way. We say, too much I wanting good for nothing. It means that too much sunshine... You need a little rain. And in this context, uh, rain is talking about adversity. You need a little problem. You need a little adversity. You need a little storm. You need a little fire. You need a little flood. You need a little something, something for spice up your life. It can't be just ordinary, good for nothing, sir. It must be good for something. Right? Mean that the goodness must go through a little bit of rain. We all need a little bit of rain. Rain is necessary. Adversity is necessary. 
I know you want to say, Pastor, don't bother preach that because the amount of adversity me have, Pastor, me no want no more. Me not want to confess that. Because you may be there saying, boy, I feel like me have flood right. Why would I want more rain when me have flood out right now? We need a little rain. Because if you have no rain, what is bright sunshine will cause things to dry up. Amen? Sun alone is not good. And rain alone is not good. But you need a little sun, you need a little rain. Amen? And simply put, we don't grow in comfort. We grow through difficulty. We don't grow in comfort. We grow in difficulty. Listen, the hardest part of your growth was when the sperm made contact with the egg. And if you, if you came through that difficulty, man, you can go through what you're going through right now. If you came out of the womb, you can make it. Because that was a very complicated and difficult process. And you, little you, somehow made it through. And you grew as you were going through that period of life. And so it is, we don't grow in comfort. We grow through difficulty. And so maturity is made with the hammer and chisel and sandpaper of time. If you want to be mature in faith, you will have to go through the hammer, the chisel, and the sandpaper of time. The pressure the struggle and resistance. You need that. You need a little bit of hammering. You need a little bit of chiseling. And you need a little bit of smoothing off. We all need that. In other words, you need a little bit of pressure. You need a little bit of struggle. And you need some resistance. You need some pressure. That is why we have to go through what we go through. It's Difficult situations and difficult people and difficult times that form us into the likeness of Christ. Difficult people, difficult situations and difficult times form us into the likeness of Christ. If you want to be like Christ, you need to be around some difficult people. There is nothing that gets you looking more like Christ than responding right around difficult people. There's nothing that gets you looking more like Christ than responding the right way in difficult times. The right way in difficult situations. When you do that, people begin to look and say, what a man, what a woman. Act like Jesus. Look like Jesus. They are real Christians. So how we respond when the wind is in our face will either cause us to rise up like an eagle or roll aside like a tumbleweed. We can't grow in comfort. So let me ask you a very simple question. Do you want to grow? Anybody want to grow? If you want to grow, put up your hand. In God's kingdom, eating a lot of dumpling and acting selfish won't cause you to grow. It only causes you to put on weight. But if you want to grow in God's kingdom... You need problems and adversity and struggles and pressures because we can't grow in comfort. If you never had, have any down times, gloomy times in your life, you will be dried up. It takes good times and bad times to make a mature person because life is a mixture of pain and pleasure, of victory and defeat. Of success and failure. Of mountaintops and valleys. That's just the way life is. I don't even know this, but, but back before cell phones were, all, were also cameras. There was a time when cell phones were not cameras. Amen? Any remember those days? When a cell phone was a cell phone and a camera was a camera. Two different things. Alright. For those of you who don't know. Let me give you a lesson. In those days, we had to take what we call the film to the store for them to develop and print out the pictures. 
We understand that, right? So you'd have your camera, you take pictures, but you'd have to take it to the photo place, and they did what they said. They said they develop it. What that mean? So I found out that film can only be developed in darkness. It is in darkness that your beautiful picture is produced. Let me say that. It is in darkness that some of the most beautiful pictures are produced, are developed. So there are some things in your life that can only be developed in darkness. There are some things in your life that can only be shed, can only be removed in the darkness. But even in our darkest valley, our darkest day, God is there and God is still in control. No matter how dark a day is, no matter how, 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 how dark the valley is, God is still in control. So then, how do we handle the dark valleys in our lives? Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So I'm going to give you five facts about dark valleys. Then I'm going to tell you three things to do when you go through valleys. And then I'm going to talk about shadows. Amen? Fact number one. Dark valleys are unavoidable. You cannot avoid them. They are going to happen in life. We can all count on it. You will have them. And I will have them. The person beside you, in front of you, behind you, not here today. We will all encounter dark valleys. They are unavoidable. So you may be coming out of one right now. You may be in the middle of one right now. Or you're heading into one right now. But wherever you are, you, they're unavoidable. So if you're going through one, hallelujah. If you're coming out of one, hallelujah. If you're going into one, Hallelujah. We are all in the same boat. Valleys happen throughout life. Sometimes one right after the other. They are like potholes on a bad road. You dally out of that one, bam. You dilly and you dally and you say, whoo, get to it, bam. And then he goes, I didn't see that one coming. Valleys are like potholes on Jamaica's road. Unavoidable. Amen. If you have a car, you know what I mean. <laughs> Listen. You have to pay. Listen, it's funny. You have to pay to avoid potholes. Drive on the highway. Outside of that. Unavoidable. But Jesus was very, after every mountain, in fact, there is a valley. So if you're on a high right now, begin to look out. Because a valley is close by. You see, even Jesus was very realistic about it. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says this. In the world, you will have Trouble. In the world you will have trouble. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. In the world you will have trouble. If you live in this place called the world. Trouble is here. I, I think it is George Nooks who does this song. He says when you have trouble don't cry. Just remember that God is standing by. You are going to have trouble. It's unavoidable. If you live on planet Earth, if you go to Mars, if you move to Jupiter, or Saturn, or Neptune, or any one of the other planets, known or unknown, you can't escape it. It is going to happen. You're going to have difficulties and disappointments and discouragement in this life. There'll be times of suffering and sorrow and sickness. There'll be times of frustration, failure, and fatigue. It is inevitable. They are going to happen. They are a normal part of life. So don't be surprised by it. No matter what, dark valleys are unavoidable. And so Job says it this way in Job uh, the writer says it in Job chapter 5, verse 7. The writer says this 
in Job 5 verse 7. Mankind is born for trouble as surely as sparks fly upwards. You are born for trouble. The moment you're born, you're born into trouble. That's it. But you know what? We, one of our favorite prayers is to pray for no trouble. We pray that there will be a way that we would avoid trouble. But if you are human, there will be dark valleys in your life. I suspect that we are all humans. Amen? So that means, no matter how educated you are, uneducated, it doesn't matter your position, whether you're a pastor, a bishop, a deacon, or just an attendee, it doesn't matter. You're human. If you're an educated human or an uneducated human, if you're an intelligent human or a not-so-intelligent human, if you're a good-looking human or a not-so-good-looking human, it doesn't matter. If you are human, there will be dark valleys in your life. So I know, look at the person beside you. Look at, look at every, listen, every person in here have trouble. I'm telling you. We all do. But we all don't look like our trouble. The problem is that some of us look like our trouble. We choose not to look like our trouble. We choose to look like what God has said. But we all have trouble. Secondly, dark valleys are unpredictable. We can't plan our time them. They are unscheduled. You don't have them in your calendar. It don't matter which store you get your calendar. You may see Christmas Day and Boxing Day and Easter Monday, but you're not going to see the valley day. They're not on your calendar. You can set the alarm for the next dark valley. In fact, they usually come at the worst time. Nobody gets the valley when they really want it. You never go to trouble and say, boy, I tell you, this trouble come at the right time. No. Trouble has never come at the right time. We don't have time. They normally come when we don't have time for them or we are unprepared for them. I, I don't know, if, again, if you have a car, have you ever had a flat tire at a good time? Listen, usually they come when we have to be somewhere or we are running late. A flat tire normally comes when you pass the gas station that you felt like you should have stopped just to get some gas. It, a flat tire comes when you're on the worst road and you feel like you're not supposed to stop. Unpredictable. And so Jeremiah 4 verse 20 says this. Disaster after disaster is reported. For the whole land is destroyed. Then he says this. Suddenly. Suddenly mean unexpectedly. My tents are destroyed. Then he says not only my tent. All the curtain in a moment. Whatever disaster came, it came suddenly and removed his tent. Removed the curtains of his tent. That's how unpredictable valleys are. The third thing is that valleys are impartial. No one is immune. No one escapes the problem of, of life. Everyone has problems. Good people and bad people. Everybody has have problems. You have problem, I have problem. Right now, every person in this church has problem. You remember what I told you a few months ago that we normally make the, our problem the problem? You don't make your problem the problem because then you have two problems. If you have a problem, don't make it a problem because you will only add a second problem. Amen? But everybody has problems. I don't want to go ahead of myself, but understand this. There are times when you think you have this big problem. And you come 
And, and you're talking to someone and say, hey, listen, we have a big problem, you know, man. And you start telling them about it. And they say, really, you don't have no problem. Let me tell you what's going on with me now. And then you realize that you really don't have any problem. So here's the thing. The person who told you a problem that shocked you, they walk up to me and tell me their problem. And I say to that person who just told you that your problem was not a problem. I say, your problem is not a problem. Let me tell you my problem. And then the same person that got you to change your perspective on your problem. Their perspective is changed when they hear my problem. Jesus had problems. Even God had problems with man. Say, if God can have problems, who do you think you are? You see, because problems don't care how good or bad we are. So one of the first reactions most of us have is to ask, why me? The real question we should be asking is, why not me? Why not you? Give me one reason why good, good you should not be having any problem. Give me one reason why you should not have any problems. Are you gooder than the rest of us? Why you should not have any problems? Why are we alone if you have money problem and you don't have money problem? Why every other female must have some male problem and you don't have any? Why you? Why you? What makes you so special? So the real question is not why me. The real question is why not me? And so the Lord Jesus says this. In Matthew 5.45, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Why do we think we should be exempt from problems? So let me help you. Life is tough, but God is good. That's the consolation. Life is tough, but God is good. It is tough, but God is good. But there is good news. And the good news is dark valleys are temporary. Dark valleys are temporary. They don't, this is not in the Bible. This too shall pass. But that's what it means. This too shall pass. Dark valleys, they, they are not permanent. They have an end. They don't last forever. They are not our permanent residence. This is not the house that we have. This is the hotel that we take vacation and we go through. It's like what they say, listen, no man, I'm come from here. I pass me a pass through. That's what our dark valleys are. We don't come from dark valley. We are just passing through dark valleys. This is not where we live. This is where we pass through. Yes, I walk. Through the valley of the shadow. This is not my permanent place. This is not where I live. This is not where I die. This is not where I'll be buried. This is where I pass through. So don't live in your valley. Pass through your valley. Don't die in your valley. Pass through your valley. Because there is a season. Though I walk through the valley, there is a season to it. Here's the thing with season. After summer, there is autumn. Amen? And listen, when autumn comes, summer don't stay. You don't have autumn and summer going on at the same time. In other words, there's a season coming to replace your valley season. And when that season comes, your valley can't exist no more. Because your new season replaces the old season. You are going through... Want to hear me? Seasons change and they have to. Not even summer is permanent and winter is not. So if seasons change, valleys certainly change. I go through. When we are in a dark valley, sometimes we think we are in a cave that has no way out, but we are not. Dark valleys are like a tunnel, they are not a cave. There are tunnels and there's a light at the other end of the tunnel. 
There's a light at the other end of the tunnel. Troubles in your life don't come to stay. They come to pass. Come on, just point at your neighbor and say, Troubles in your life don't come to stay. They come to pass. So here's my, here's my thing. Here's my thing. Let me give you this. The Lord revealed this to me this morning. I feel so good about it. He says, listen, listen. Trouble don't ever want to stay with you. So don't stay in trouble. Because trouble just a pass by. It linger for a while. Trouble is like that person who come visit you. And you don't want them to stay more than a week. Right? Them just, them just want to stay with you for the weekend. And then they tell them if you live in your house. This is saying, listen. Trouble just a pass through. Don't give them permanent residence. Amen? We go through. How, how do I know that? Because the Bible says so. First Peter 5 verse 10. I don't want you to look at this. I know you're going to read it ahead of me, but I want you to look at it. This is a message translation. And it begins with this. The suffering won't last forever. The suffering won't last forever. The suffering won't last forever. Whatever it is that you're going through, it won't last forever. The scripture says it won't be long. Meaning very soon, this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ's eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. Very soon. Not long from now. Because the suffering won't last forever. What you're going through won't last forever. How you're feeling is not meant to last forever. Your valley is not meant to be around forever. You may be asking, well, well, well I'm glad for that. But how long? How long? Because it is, it is 20 years now. <laughs> I have the answer for you. I have the answer for you, right? I have the answer for you. I love the Bible. The Bible answers all things. Listen, even if you live 80 or 90 years and have problems all your life, that's nothing. Oh boy. Somebody say, Pastor, you don't know where you are talking about. Me not going to live that long. Because with them a problem here, I don't want to pass three score and ten. Some people say that, you know. Listen, that is so insignificant compared to the thousands and millions of years you have in heaven. Problem free. Here's the thing. I'd rather have 90 years of problems on earth and spend eternity with Jesus. Listen, then have a problem free Life on earth, and then he have be a problem in the afterlife. Because if you know if you have a problem in the afterlife, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> I'm telling you. Listen, listen. I'd rather have my problems on earth than have them in the afterlife. So I'll take as much problem now because I'm going to a place. Where there'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more pain. I don't need no pharmacy. I don't need no hospital. And you don't need to fill no prescription. I'd rather take everything now to know that I have a secure place to go to. Problem free. Because if I have problems in the afterlife, I'm in the wrong place. So the question is, what do you prefer? It simply means that problems are temporary. Heaven though is eternal. And that is what we must look to. So the apostle Paul puts it into perspective. So Paul says, listen, you talk about you have big problem. You'll have walk up to people and tell them why you have a big problem. Paul says, let me help you. I was in prison. I was beaten. I was shipwrecked. I was abandoned. I was ill. I mean, I was beaten several times. I was tortured. I was left at sea to die. All of those things. Men were after me to kill me. And you come and tell me about problems. And then he says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17, let me tell you problems. Let me tell you about problems. He says, our, for our light afflictions. Paul, you talking to Paul, you know. And you tell Paul, say, I run a year, now you know work. Paul say, light affliction. <laughs> you say, Paul, you know, a boy, a day is no me no eat. Paul says, that's a light affliction. What are you talking about? 
Why is it light affliction? He says, which is but for a moment. Paul says, it is only for a moment. Listen, you know what is a big problem to some people? Around three months now, I'm going to go here, dresser. Paul says, that is light affliction. says, they are bought for a moment and is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So church, pain can be productive. There will be a benefit for our problems if we respond in the right way. While we have the temporary hassles, there is long-term eternal benefit when you go through a valley and respond to it correctly. Whatever you're going through, you have to respond correctly. Number five, dark valleys are have a purpose. Dark valleys have a purpose. There's a purpose to what you're going through. God has a reason for taking us through dark valleys. Whether we have a valley full of doubt or despair or discouragement or defeat, God has a reason behind it. There's a reason for the season that you're in. There's a reason for what you're going through. There are financial valleys, relationship valleys, emotional valleys, all kinds of valleys in our lives. You will get through them in time. And there is a purpose for what you're going through. There's a purpose for your pain and there's a purpose for your trouble. First Peter 1, 6-7. And I want you to take these four words. I said you're supposed to take God is in control. But today I want you to take this. It says be truly glad. So be truly glad. Whatever you're going through right now, be truly glad. However you're feeling right now, change it to be truly glad. Why? Why? There is wonderful joy ahead. Hallelujah. Listen, listen, listen. You came in here discouraged and disappointed. And you walk in and the the scripture says, be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Be truly glad because there's wonderful joy ahead. Even though, watch it, even though it is what? Necessary for you to do what? To do what? To endure many trials. What are you supposed to do in the valley? Endure. For, for what? For a while. Not for your entire life, but for a while. It says these trials are only to do what? Test your faith. They are not to kill you. They are not to destroy you. They are just to test your faith. You have heard me say this before. Faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Your faith needs to be tested. Why? It says to show that it is strong and pure. What you are going through is to see if your faith is real. If you really love God. It's really proven if you are really Christian or Christian. That is why you're going through it. You look real in church. But God wants to prove your realness. It says, it has been tested as fire test and purifies gold. And your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. So if your faith remains strong after being tried by fiery trials... It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So this verse tells us a couple of things. Firstly, every problem has a purpose, even the small ones. And God is using them to develop faith and character in you. Problems are there to help shape us as metal is put into the fire to make it pliable. So we go through problems in life. The fire heats are... Heats the metal so it can be shaped and made useful. And so the heat you're going through is shaping you so that you can be useful to the Lord. This is also teaching us that faith is developed in the valleys of life. How do you know if you'll be faithful unless you're faced, faced with unfaithfulness? How do you know how much endurance you have unless you have to face tough times? How do you know if you can trust God in difficult times unless you go through difficult times? How do you know if you're not tested? God's goal 
in life is not to make us comfortable. His goal is to build our character. Because he's far more interested in our character than he is in our comfort or our convenience. God's goal in life is not just to make life comfortable for us. God wants to build our character. Because he's more interested in our holiness than he is in our happiness. Why? Because holiness lasts. Happiness doesn't. In fact, happiness comes from being holy anyways. If you really want to be happy, then you really have to be holy. Because that's where true happiness lies. God is preparing us not for earth. He's preparing us for eternity, church. So don't quit on a tough day. Because faith is built in the valleys of life. When everything is going fine and great, You don't really need God. That is why you need a little rain in your sunshine. Amen? You need a little rain in your sunshine. You see, sometimes also, let me just say this, sometimes the purpose of your problem isn't just about you either. Sometimes you have to go through what God is bringing you through so you can bring others through what they are going to go through. Sometimes God has to send you ahead so that you can go back And bring people where God has brought you. So what you are going through sometimes. Others depend on it. And if you die in your valley. Maybe a generation will be lost. Maybe a family will be lost. Maybe a nation will be lost. It is important that you come through the valley. Because others are waiting on you. How do you know that pastor? Is this really real? It's in the Bible. Luke chapter 22 from verse 31 to 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. He says, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. It means that God was sent him. You're going to go through first. Your faith is not going to fail because it is necessary when you have gone through to come back and strengthen the brethren so that they can go through. You have to come through what you're going through so you can bring others through what you're going to go through. There are some people who are waiting on your testimony. They are waiting to hear you say, God brought me through. God delivered me. God came through for me. They are waiting on that testimony so they can be lifted up in faith and believe in the God that you believe. The scripture said, if I be lifted up, then I'll draw all men unto me. Listen, maybe your son, your daughter, your grandmother, your grandfather, maybe your father, your mother, somebody is waiting on you to go through the valley of the shadow of death. So that they can have courage to go through. Imagine if every single lesson in life you had to learn on your own. It's a good thing that somebody went through and made a testimony to help you. So you don't have to go through but you learn from. Sometimes God brings some of us through things to be our front runners. So that other people can learn from us. What you're going through is not just about you. And so you can ask God questions, church, without questioning God. God didn't cause the tragedy you're facing. God is a good God. God is a good God and he cannot cause evil. But God will use the tragedy for your good. For the scripture says all things work together for good. You make all things work together for my good. That's what one, say, one song says. Then we sang this morning. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. Listen, God, God is not causing it. But God can use it to bring forth glory and good. We have to believe that. Your valley is not that bad. Because God can use it for your good. So let me give you three things. Alright, those are five things you need to understand about a valley. But let me give you three things that you need to do when you go through the valley. So if you're in a valley right now, you need to write these down. 
if you have never been in a valley, you certainly need to write them down because it's coming, baby. It's coming. I'm telling, I prophesy that it's coming. And if you're coming out of one, look out. A next pothole is awaiting you, honey. So be prepared. I start to act on this thing. First, when you're going through your valley, refuse to be discouraged. Refuse to be discouraged. Refuse to be discouraged. Because if you get discouraged, you may die. Psalm 23, what does it say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Right? I, w- I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. It means that God doesn't panic when we go through a problem and neither should we, his sheep. If the shepherd is not panicking, the sheep should not panic because our life is in the sheep's hand, in the shepherd's hand. And if the shepherd is confident, then we should be confident. The only time we get discouraged is if the shepherd is failing. And he has never failed. I love what the scripture says though. It says, I walk through the valley. It doesn't say, I run. It doesn't say, I quiver. It doesn't say, I shake in my boots. No, it says, I walk through the valley. Meaning, I'm walking with confidence. Nothing can change my swag. You understand me? Yeah, I got you. Talk about. This is for a moment. Oh, you look so confident, boy. Not be a problem. Me, I got you, brother. Understand me? Still have my swag. Says I walk through. Me not try. Boy, me I walk out of the place. You know? <laughs> and he's not like, oh my God, oh my God. Whoa, Lord Jesus. No, 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 no. I'm not panicking. I'm not trying to catch up you, Saint Bolt. I'm confident I got through this. I know who I serve. And I know in whom I have believed. So I go through this with confidence. I'm not discouraged. Second thing the scripture says. It uses the word I will. And I will is a matter of choice. I will fear no evil. I will overcome this problem. With God's help. I will get out of the hole I got myself into. If you are discouraged this morning, it is because you are choosing to be discouraged. Because discouragement is a choice. So how do you choose not to be discouraged? Very simple. By focusing on God's power and not your problem. Because you are going to become what you are looking at. And if you look at problems, you are going to become a problem. The focus of your life will be the look of your life. Or the focus of your eyes will be the outlook of your life. So, I choose to stay encouraged by focusing on God's power. Because my God is bigger than every problem. He's mightier. He's stronger. So one of the biggest adjustments we need to make when we're going through problems is an attitude Adjustment. You need to turn to your name and say, you need to adjust your attitude. Yes, yes. You need to adjust your attitude. And refuse to be discouraged. Because you can't go around the valley. You can't go under the valley. You can't go over the valley. You must go through the valley. The Lord didn't say you're going to die in the valley. The Lord says you're going to go through. But there is even more to it than just willing ourselves through the valley. There is a reason why we should refuse to be discouraged. And that reason is that the scripture says for you are with me. Why? Why? God is with me. Listen, as a child, I used to love being around my father, my friend, you know, because he said to me I'll play a ball. I'm a friend them there. We get an extra boost. I know what I mean. You get the extra boost because you have bucketive. I walk with confidence in my in my valley because I have the bucketive of the most high God. He is with me. If you ever feel bullied at school, you know, when you have big brother all in the upper six and them things, I never have big brother, you know, but my father used to come to school every single day. I never like it, but 
You understand? Nobody ever really play with me because every day the man used to come to school. I'm in a fifth farm. Man, I come eat lunch with me at school. You understand me? But because of that, people say, hey, don't trouble them man there, no, because in father, I come over here later. It's like the enemy has said, no, no, leave the one there, leave the one there, leave the one there. Because God, dear father, will be with them. So leave them alone. You can touch somebody else, but that one, don't put a finger on that one. God is with me. So I have confidence. God is with us every step of the way. And he promises his presence. I, I love what Colossians 1 verse 11 says. Because sometimes people come and ask you to pray for them, you know. Pray for me, no man. Boy, me, I got you. Will you pray for me, the Lord of mercy? Pray for me. I, I say, yes, I, I'm learning. I'm learning. I, I want to start praying for people. Now. I know what to pray. When you come and you ask me to pray, here's what I'm going to pray. I pray that you'll be strengthened with his glorious power so that you'll have all the patience and endurance you need. <laughs> I'm not praying for you to come out. I'm not chewing a rope down here. I'm not, you listen, I'm not putting my hand on pulling you out. No, no. I'm going to pray that you stay near and endure. <laughs> That's what Paul says. That's what Paul says. It was reported. Pray that they'll be strengthened in the Lord. That they will have patience and endure. If you want other prayer, pray for yourself. I'm following the word. Why, 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 Pastor <laughs> You know why, Pastor Because we want power to escape when God has given us power to endure. We want, we have an escapee mentality. We love run away from things. Bob, instead of scripture becoming our song, Bob Marley become our song. He who fights and run away, live to fight another day. Christians, Christians sing it like it's scripture, you know. I'm going to try and escape so I can come back. Dave, you think David tried to escape Goliath? He knocked him down. You see, we can become discouraged when we have an escape expectation while going through an endurance experience. Let me say that again. We become discouraged when we have an escape expectation while going through an endurance experience. Because disappointment and discouragement happens when our experience doesn't match our expectation. You see, our expectation is God going to take us out. And so we get disappointment because that is disappointed because that is not what we are experiencing. God never promised to take you out of the valley. He promised to be with you as you go through the valley. When we accept that God is sovereign church and that he can give you endurance so you can be a witness of his power, then you can refuse to be discouraged and fear no evil. When we go through valley number two, through dark valleys, we must rely on God's presence. God never leaves us alone. I want you to understand, if you understand English, the English language, you'll, you'll realize that there's a shift at verse 4 in the psalm. It's a change in the language if you look at it. So up to this point, all the, my high schoolers will know this and college people will know this. Up to this point, all the, the pronouns are in what they call the third person, if you look at it. Like, he leads me, he guides me, he restores me. Right there in the the, the, the pronouns are in the third person. The language changes from the third person to the second person pronoun in verse 4. It says, you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. And what that means is that all of a sudden, the ultimate becomes the intimate. The language changes. It is becoming relational. It is becoming personal. You see, when you're going through dark valleys. You don't want to talk about God. He leads me. He does that. You want to talk to God. You're right on your staff. You're talking to him. You're right on your staff. They comfort me. 
Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will no evil for you are with me. You see, when you're going through your dark valley, you don't talk about God. He leads me. He restores me. No, you talk to God. It means that religion becomes relationship. God says, I am with you. I will take you by the hand. I will lead you through this. It is during dark valleys that we need to know that God is there. And it is during dark valleys that our faith is most tested. And so how do we cope? The scripture says in Matthew 28, 20, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God not only promises us his power in the valley, he promises, promises us his presence in the valley. So you will never go through a valley by yourself. Amen. And here's the good news. Here's the good news. You need to write this down somewhere. God being with you is more, than, is more important than God doing for you. Wait to get this. God being with you is more important than God doing for you. It's better to have God. The presence of God. Instead of getting a present from God. How it works? Imagine, imagine you have a little friend. A little friend. And every time you come around them, they just want where you have to give, but they don't really want you around them. In Jamaica, I would say, them are near we out. That's what we say in Jamaica, right? That's what we say. Because they don't want, they don't want to see you, they just want to walk. Yeah. That's how we want to treat God. We don't really want God around, we know we just want what God has. So I want you to know this morning, more important than what God has for you is who God is to you. And that is why in Isaiah it tells us in Isaiah 43, verse 2, when you go through deep waters and great trouble, he didn't say I'm going to take you out, he didn't say I'm going to send you a boat. Careful, you know, because sometimes when we're in deep waters, you know what happens? We look for your boat instead of we look for God. We look, for, we look for the lifeguard instead of looking for the Savior. He says, when you go through deep waters and great trouble, he says, I will be with you. So when you're going through the flood, what are you supposed to do? He says, thank you, Jesus, because in me, John, you, John, you better can't swim. Because he's right there. What do you do when you get evicted? You say, well, Jesus, how are we going to work out this? Because he's going to the two away. Because he's with you. It says, when you go through rivers of difficulty, here's what the scripture says, you will not drown. Why? Because God is with you. It says, when you walk through the fires of oppression, you will not be burnt up. Why? Because God is with you. The flames will not consume you because God is with you. What happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were in, God did not take them out. No, the fire just didn't burn them. The people who put them in there took them out. God says, here's the thing. I'm going to walk with my people in the fire. I'm going to show you how mistake. I'm going to show you how big a God I am. And then you put them in there, take them back out yourself. You throw my Daniel and the lions and I'm going to walk with them and keep this. And I'm going to make the same line where you put down if Daniel eat you. And, and, and then on top of it, you're going to take him out. Listen. Jeez. What did Pharaoh say to Moses? You are the people, go. The same one who had them in slaves said, Moses, you take them and you go on, brother. Me can't bother with this anymore. Listen, the same people who put you in trouble. After God walked with you through it, I didn't see him when I come on. Jeez. God will use them to work it for our God. Number three, number three, when we go through dark valleys, we must rely on God's protection. David reminds us that God has a rod and a staff to protect us. The rod and the staff are basic tools for the shepherd. I don't know if you have ever seen any of these things, so let me give you a, 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 a small description. The rod is basically two feet long, and it has a knot at one end. And, and so the shepherd trains to use the rod like a missile at anything that would endanger the sheep. So the, 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 the rod that the shepherd has is like a missile 
that if something is coming to attack the sheep, he throws the rod at the, that thing with not at the end to hurt the thing so it don't hurt the sheep. That's what, so he's protecting the sheep. So the shepherd uses the rod to protect the sheep. The staff, though, is a long stick with a, a hook at the end of it. And so the shepherd uses um, the staff to draw the sheep out of a ditch or to pull the sheep closer to his side. So he has two things happen. The rod is to run away and keep off all enemies. But he also has a hook to pull us in closer to him. What a good God. He wards off the enemy, but he pulls us closer. What a good God he is. And so the psalmist says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, you get rid of all my enemies, but you're so good that you pull me closer to you, my God. So the, the scripture says in John 10, 29, my father who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Psalm 34 verse 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Hallelujah. I, I want to close with these three thoughts about shadows. Then we're going to wrap up. Ten minutes. And we close. How many of you, how many of you, know, you know what a shadow is, right? Alright, if any of you come from country, people used to tell you about Dopey Reel. Because people used to come in and they used to have lamp. And when them go fall asleep and then wake up, and lamp start showing at the house and them have them shirt hung up. And think them get up and run out of the house and dopey in there. And then when them walking, coming from road and the banana tree them, because you never have street light them time there, you know. And look how sun go hit all one of them banana leaves there and it start shake. So, you know, you swear, see how I'm going to walk, come towards you, I'm run, leave, and banana leaf. Any of you ever run from banana leaf yet? Don't, don't, don't answer right, but. But, <laughs> but, but it, it, it says something in the scripture that we need to pay attention to. Say, yea, though I walk through the valley, of what? The shadow of death. The valley of the? The valley of the shadow of death. Alright? So the first thing is that shadows are not real. So if it is a shadow of death, it's not real death. So don't get scared. It's not real. Shadows Here's, here's one thing. Shadows are always bigger than reality. In other words, when you stand up out here, you know, people, people think like you want giant, you know. If, they, if people are scared of all my shadow, when they see my shadow, they would run because when you see my shadow, I'm a big old tall man. Like him, I mean, the shadow looks like it has six pack and nice biceps and triceps and all of them things, you know. I'm telling you like a pump in a lot of weight. But when you see the person, you say, oh, I say you really look. <laughs> you look good from far, you know. But, but you're far from good looking. Shadows are always bigger than reality. It means that fear is always greater than the problems you face. That's the thing. Fear always greater than the problems you face. The second thing is that Shadows cannot hurt us. Shadows are image without substance. Have you ever been run over by a shadow? See, see there's a difference between a truck and a truck's shadow. If I see a truck coming towards me, I'm running. But I would be stupid to see the shadow of the truck and run from the shadow. Shadows cannot hurt us. They can only scare us. So when you're going to see a valley, look at the devil and say, I ain't scared. Because my Lord says, fear not for I am with you. Number three, shadows only appear when there is a light source. You know the song we sing in church? No shadow, you won't light up. Whenever you see shadow, there is light. There is no shadow without a light source. Shadow can only appear. So if you're going through your valley, your dark valley, and you see the shadow of death, start rejoicing because light is close. Light has appeared. So don't focus on the shadow. Look to the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. 
Corey Tenbaum says, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. When you're walking through the valley, look at the light. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You may be in a dark valley right now, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. Listen, whatever you're going through, there is light at the end of the tunnel. You may be in your darkest moment, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. The Bible says that God is light and in him there is no darkness. One translation as we close. Of Psalm 34 verse 19 says this. A good man does not escape all troubles. He has them too. But the Lord helps him in each and every one. Christians have disappointments. Christians get sick. Christians experience tragedy. Christians lose loved ones. Christians have financial problems. God's people have family problems. Believers go through valleys just like everybody else. But there is a difference. And it's a major, major, major difference. And don't ever miss this if you're a believer. The difference is that while believers and non-believers go through the same valleys of life, the difference for the Christian is not the absence of the shadow, but the presence of the shepherd. See, what makes a difference is the presence of the shepherd. Because we all have dark valleys. But as a believer, in my dark valley, I have the presence of the shepherd. It simply means that God is with you. God is with you. It may seem painful, but it's not real. It may seem tough, but it's a light affliction. Whatever valley you find yourself in, Say like the psalmist, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Listen, I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to worship God. I want you to lift your hands this morning and prayerfully declare to the Lord. Just say, the Lord is my shepherd. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Come on, just lift your hands and begin to worship him. Just lift your voices and say, Lord, you are with me. You are with me. Whatever you're going through right now, understand that God is with you. Not only that, but refuse to be discouraged. Refuse to be discouraged. Rely on God's protection. He has a rod and a staff. He will ward off all your enemies and he will pull you closer. It means that there is a purpose for what you're going through. There is a purpose for what you're going through. Oh, go begin to declare, say, Lord, I thank you that this is working for my good. This is working for my good, Lord God. This is working for my good. Begin to declare, God, God, this is temporary. This season is going to end. A new season is approaching. The suffering won't last. That's what the scripture said. You just lift your voice and lift your hands and say, God, I declare that the suffering won't last. Not too long for now, the glorious Savior will come and deliver me. The glorious Savior will put me back together. The glorious Savior will put my feet on solid ground. Hallelujah. Listen, here's what I want you to pray. Come on, with your hands lifted. So, Lord, I pray. that I will be patient and endure 
So Lord, I'm not looking for an escape route. I'm building endurance. For you're maturing me. You are working in me. You are working through me. I walk confidently through my valley. Hallelujah. I walk confidently through my valley. I walk with a swagger because my God is with me and he promised that he will never leave me nor forsake me. Hallelujah. Come on, just lift your hands one more time and just give the Lord a worship and give him a praise. You make all things. You make enemy men for evil and you turn it for good. 